Hey everyone, it is David from the Principal's Desk here with another episode of the Principal's Desk podcast. I know I mentioned this last week uh, for our podcast, but we are recording this in July 2023. And if you are listening to this around the time that we recorded, you are probably in the middle of a massive heat wave. Uh, there are uh, just heat alerts everywhere in the country. Most of the country is in triple digits. So if you're listening to this around the time of recording, hey, hope you're keeping uh, safe, keeping cool, drinking your fluids, stay inside air conditioning when you can here. But um, usually the summer months and the uh, increased temperatures are reminding all of us in education that, hey, yes, it is summer, but right around the corner is back to school time. And I know I just did my back to school shopping with my, with my kids. They start in a few weeks. Um, but as we're thinking about coming back to school, we think about, you know, the academic piece, the social emotional learning piece, and uh, all the things in between that, uh, that we need to be focused on with our kids here. Uh, and I'm excited today because we brought in um, someone who is going to be talking about something a little different than our, our usual guests here on the Principal's Desk podcast. Uh, we're talking a lot about executive functioning, uh, how we can teach that, how we, we can target certain skills, and how do we um, you know, build up those really, really good habits here. So uh, I'm thrilled to have uh, Candice here. Candice Hyken, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, for our, I guess, for our listeners here, um, maybe give us a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, you know, uh, your teaching background, and then how you got into really focusing on on this topic. Yeah, I would love to. So I have been in education for about twenty five years now, but the last twelve of them um, have, has been working directly with students, educators, and parents. Um, really helping to develop these executive function skills. And so um, teaching some of those strategies, helping gain awareness about what are executive function skills, how do they impact learning, and then what can we do for students who are struggling in that area to help them become stronger learners. So needed. And I can say, obviously, as, a, as an educator, I would often, you know, look at students that were either in my own classroom or when I was a principal, you know, at the school and wonder, you know, how much, you know, executive functioning, you know, do they have with them already? And how do we, how can we build up their capacity a little bit more? So I guess I'm going to start off with a kind of like the basic, like, how do you identify if a student is struggling in that area? Because students have, you know, they bring to us a lot of different behaviors especially now in 2023, uh, and students are struggling in a lot of different capacities. How, what are you looking for as an expert in this area as a, for a student who is really struggling with their executive functioning skills? Yeah, that can be a challenge sometimes. And I think it's really a challenge for a lot of educators too, because executive functioning skills covers such a broad range of skills and behaviors. And so that's when it can get a little tricky. And so the way we like to think of it um, is that executive functioning skills can be easily broken into three categories. So an emotional piece, um, a behavioral piece, and a cognitive piece. And so when you think about it like that, it just helps 
get a little bit clearer understanding of where some of those behaviors are coming from. And so we like to we like to break it down like that just to make that a little easier. That's interesting. I, I haven't heard it broken down that way before, and that's actually really, really helpful. Um, so what I've got a kid who's struggling in my classroom, maybe they are disorganized, they're, um, they can't figure out how to get from like point A to point B, they need a whole lot of guidance here. Is that, is that a child who I should be looking for as like, hmm, I wonder if they're deficient in some of these skills? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I imagine, you know, when, when we talk with teachers, we get stories over and over of the students, everyone's got a story about a student in their classroom who's really struggling with the executive function skills. So there's always, you know, a student or two who really jumps out at you. But what you often don't see are how many students in the classroom are really struggling with executive function. And so I think some of the skills like organization and time management are ones that we as educators see pretty quickly. You know, the student who can't find his homework to turn it in or the student who you look in their desk and it's just a, a train wreck. Um, so, so we can we can identify those students pretty quickly and understand. Okay, we need to teach some organization strategies here. But a lot of times, you've got the students who are struggling with some of the other executive function skills, like um, emotional control and having those major meltdowns, and they don't quite know what to do with these really big feelings they're having. And of course, that looks different whether you're talking a first grade classroom or a 10th grade classroom. So how does that change over the years when you've got students who are really struggling with that emotional control? Um, or even things like flexibility. So that ability to really think about um, different ways to solve a problem. Those kids who get stuck on a certain thought or a certain strategy or a certain way, mm. and they can't think outside the box, right? That's an executive function skill to be able to do that and to be able to consider different strategies and solutions to a problem. So it, so I think it's important to look at all of these different areas um, and see that oftentimes when a student is really struggling in your classroom, um, and especially if you're seeing a behavior tied to it, it's generally a skill deficiency. It's something that they just don't quite know how to do. Um, and we can look at, all right, how can we teach them a strategy to overcome this so that they can meet those expectations? I think what you just said is really important in that if a child is struggling emotionally, behaviorally, we should look at it as a skill deficiency not and, and and when you look at it that way you don't automatically go to the consequence right uh and as a as a as a principal i mean i i had kids in my office for every reason under the sun and some of them i would say yes it was warranted to come up and have a chat with me and we needed to talk about their behavior uh but for some of them I'm thinking you don't know how to, you got in trouble because you were off task because you were disorganized. And if right. we got you organized, it would go, you know, you, you'd have an easier time. Um, and then essentially, we do this all the time. We, we think about if we have our own children and we think about like how they fit into this. I've got, I've got one child and, and she's not here right now. Well, I'm not sure she's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like she is, 
she takes after me unfortunately she's she can be very disorganized like her room is a mess her backpack we don't even look in there anymore she's going into high school it's like we don't want to see what's in there her binder it's like papers are folded and put in there um she's super smart and and she gets good grades and but like it's a mess but like we've noticed you know with her you know that's how she is and when she does get flustered and upset about something it's usually because she's disorganized and can't work through the chaos Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. an adult I've learned over 45 years to work through the chaos and I and I and I can handle it now but you know it's also that you know and you said this too that really stuck out from that the flexibility piece like it has to be her way or no way and thinking outside the box and considering other possibilities is a sign of this as well. I think that's super interesting because I'm now thinking back to a lot of kids I worked with in the past who were very much like that and look at it as a skill deficiency and what we can, what can we do to bolster those skills, a very different mindset than go talk to the principal or I need to talk to your parents and there needs to be a consequence. Um, I, I, yeah, that, that, that resonates with me a lot. Yeah. With me too. And we see that a lot. And it's one of our big passions with what we're doing with educators is really helping to um, change that mindset a bit that when you're looking at classroom management and you're looking at your list of expectations, right? Here's what you expect behaviorally, academically, and then here's what's going to happen when you don't meet those expectations. Here's, here's the list of consequences and what that's going to look like. And that makes sense and that needs to be clear. Um, But as educators, at what point do we step back and say, okay, this student cannot meet this expectation, right? I've, I've noticed a pattern. It happens every day that they can't meet this expectation. Is that child really being defiant? Is that child really um, unmotivated or my my least favorite word, lazy? Um, Is that what's really happening? Or does that kid really just not know how to meet that expectation that you've given? Because if the child doesn't have the skill to meet the expectation that you have, a consequence really doesn't seem all that fair anymore, does it? I mean, at that point, what can we do to help that student get the skill they need to meet the expectation? Because I would imagine they would probably like to stop having those consequences at the very least, just stop disappointing everyone, right? So so can we give them a strategy or a way to meet the expectation that we have for them? Yes. And again, as a a principal, I saw all those kids in my office and... There, there has to be a, a, a different way. And, and, and you know, it, when we look at student behavior and, you know, a lot of schools have like a disciplinary matrix that, you know, it's very kind of cut and dry and fair to a certain extent. Um, when, when students do get um, in trouble, and I'm using air quotes for everyone who's listening, um, and they, you know, we have to call home or they have to come to me and work with me for a little bit. Um, we always have to have the notion and the goal of we need to change around the behaviors. We need to find the root cause of behaviors um, because I don't want that child to be in trouble every day either. Like, what's the point yeah. of that? Yeah. Um, and especially with our, our our younger ones, they don't understand, like they don't understand their own deficiency. And even older on, they they might have an idea, but they really have no idea how to fix it either. Like right. if, if you know, I, 
I've told my daughter, like, you need to clean out your backpack and organize your binder. Probably no joke, 500 times in her life. Yeah. And guess what? It, you know, a week later, it's a disaster again. And to a certain extent, it is who she is. And I've, we've learned to work with her. It's like, okay, well, do you know where that paper is? Like you did the homework, you did the work, do you know? And like, if she can like walk us through everything, it's like, okay, you're learning to manage your, your world here. Yeah. Uh, Cause not everyone is going to have, you know, the, the binder when it's color coded and everything is perfect in there. Cause right. that that's my wife. And yeah. then I'm the, I'm the opposite side of her. So I get it. So I can, you know, she comes up to my office and she's like, I, I don't know how you deal with this. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how you deal with, the, I don't know how you take the time to, to <laughs> color code everything. And like, everything's perfectly right. written out and organized. So it's learning to work through that, I think is, is certain is so important, but we do have to get the kids to a point where they can work with it. They can identify it, work with it um, so that they, they can be successful. Yeah. And, you know, I think when we help students understand that it is a skill deficiency, right? It's not something that's wrong with them or that they're um, so unorganized or they're this or that. Um, when we help them understand that that's simply a skill they haven't learned yet, and we're going to show them some strategies for how they can make that better, right? So, so your daughter may never have that color-coded binder, but can she put a system in place to where she can find her homework when it's time to turn it in? And that's really the, the point, right? Like that's yeah. what we need her to be yeah. able to accomplish. And so, so understanding what is the expectation, the expectation is that you turn your homework in when you finish it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and can you do that with the system that you currently have? Yes or no. If not, then we have to put a system in place, right? Yeah. And so, so that's really the key. And, and ultimately, I think when we help students understand that process, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Can you? No? Then let's figure out a right. different way to do that. Um, and, you know, I think with with a lot of students in general, um, you get some pushback with that as an educator, as a parent. And um, I always welcome that pushback because at that point you get the engagement that you need from students. So, so when they're saying, well, that won't work for me, right? That planner system is not gonna work for me. Um, I personally love that because at that point we can say, well, let's figure out how to make it work for you, right? Sure. How can we tweak that so that you have a system that works for you? And now it's their idea. And now we've gotten that engagement from them. So that's, um, it, it's okay. I think, you know, sometimes we, as, as parents and educators, we expect um, our students to do things the same way that works for us. And that's a big piece with executive function skills and, you know, back to the flexible thinking, right? That there doesn't right. have to just be one way. The point is to create a strategy that works um, for that student and the way they think. And so, and that's possible if you take it from a, you know, from a basic point, right? Using a planner, um, that that works for some students, but it doesn't work for a lot of students. And so, how can we tweak that idea of using a planner to make sure that they can remember their assignments, turn it in when they're due, you yeah. know, do all of the things that a planner is trying to accomplish? Something you said, I want to reiterate for our listeners, because I think it is a key point here. 
and I used to say this uh, of instructional strategies is that, you know, teachers teach for the most part in the way that they learned best when they were kids, because it's what we know. We know also that doesn't work (laughs) for all kids, but we we subconsciously do that. Um, And I think the notion of executive functioning and organization and flexibility and emotion control, it's the same thing. And I think about it as a parent, the way that I work with that dog who is disorganized um, is very different than my how my wife deals with her. My wife like cannot handle it at all. She she gets <laughs> flustered and like and she's like I don't understand how like why you're like this or how you find any like because she's the polar opposite. For me, I'm like yeah okay it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna find it. Right. Um, and so as parents as educators, it's recognizing that the way that we do things is not always going to be the same as a our children or b our students and that's okay Um, because what works for us isn't always going to be the best solution for everyone and that I think is hard for us to to recognize and to let go of Um, because a lot of us are like yeah this is the best way to do it well that might be the best way for you but You know, um, it's not the best way for for everyone here. But, right. um, you know, we also do want to send our students off, you know, through elementary, middle, high school, then off to either college or trade school or whatever they're going to do in the future. Um, we want them to be productive. We want them to be, you know, successful and um, organization and, you know, emotional control and flexibility and planning. All of that encapsulates, you know, part of what it means to be a productive, you know, adult to be able to navigate this world that we, you know, we're going to send our, our students out to it. Yeah. If we see kids that are struggling in this area, can you lay out some strategies that um, teachers um, can use at schools or, you know, support providers or anyone, um, what they can do to help kids say, be more organized or to work on that emotion control or flexibility? What are some strategies? Because I know I struggled with that as an educator. Like, how do you teach a kid to be flexible? Like, how do you do that? That's, I was always amazed with like, how do you teach kids how to read? Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. And like, yeah. When, if there are any high school folks, you know, middle school folks, high school folks, you know, that are there in the podcast. And I, I know, I know we have a lot of listeners that are in the high school age. Go to like a first or a second grade classroom one day and you'll be just amazed because it, it is phenomenal. Like teaching a kid how to read and write is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you teach organization? How do you teach, how do you teach these, these skills that we're acknowledging are deficient? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, um, you know, once you identify what the behavior is related to. So really just paying attention to what is the student doing and what could be something that's missing. Um, There are really some best practices for instructing on executive function um, that every teacher can incorporate into into their classroom. So one of those pieces is, is simply motivation. And so helping the student understand why it would be a benefit to learn a strategy to make that easier, right? To overcome that challenge that they're having. So so getting that buy-in, helping the student understand what that is. 
Um, another piece that's super, super important to executive function instruction is metacognition. And so helping students understand why they think the way they do, helping them be able to gain an awareness of who they are as a student and a learner. And so this is something that's really, really important um, as we work to um, develop some of these executive function skills in students. And it really speaks to what we were just talking about with the student who's going to have a color-coded binder and the student who's just going to be able to find their stuff in their backpack, right? So they have to know who they are as a learner and they have to know what, what works for them. And so yeah. really just asking a lot of questions to incorporate that metacognition in there. Because if we're helping them set up a strategy to organize their backpack or, or even something simple like a folder system, this is where you put the take-home work and this is where you put the turn-in work, right? So a simple organization strategy like that, asking them questions about that. What worked well with this? What didn't work for you? Did you have a hard time remembering which side to put it in? Um, did you finish your homework and then leave it on your desk? You forgot to put it back in here. What can we do about that? How can you remind yourself to put it back in the folder? So just having some of those um, conversations and those questions. And honestly, one of the best ways to do that and another best practice is collaboration. And so having the students work together with some of those things, um, you know, one, one big piece of executive function is focus and attention and the ability to maintain focus. Um, so of course, identifying what are your distractions and how can you manage those? And so um, we've we've received a lot of feedback from teachers over the years about that particular skill set, helping kids identify their distractions and how to manage them, but giving them the ability to work together to figure out what those are so that they can kind of explore that idea. So as I'm listening to you, I'm picturing these conversations with upper elementary, middle school. What how do you have this conversation with like a first grader um, so that they're, you know, getting, you know, having a first grader to think about how they think, I would imagine it can be challenging um, because of their maturity level and understanding. But I would also imagine that there are some prompts or ways around that where, you know, you can get in from a very foundational level and get them to start to think. So uh, for, our, for our listeners who do work with kindergarten, first grade, how, how do you start to have those conversations? Is, again, the, the younger grades always mystified me. And uh, how do you do that? Well, it's interesting because um, how, how we approach that with the younger students is often having them do some sort of simple activity and um, some sort of simple thing. Look at look at this um, list and circle the one that you think kind of thing, right? So that they begin to get that awareness and begin to get this idea of um, thinking about how they think rather than asking them that question. You're going to get a lot of blank stares, but um, mm -hmm. but if you but if you have them do something. Um, that encourages those same sorts of thoughts or those same sorts of reflections on what they're doing. And so um, that's that's something that we incorporate a lot, you know, circle this, draw a star next to this, okay. you know, that kind of thing as you're as you're working some of those um, questions out. Nice. Okay, that's helpful. Um, yeah, because I was just thinking that that conversation is going to go way over their head. Yeah. Um, and then so 
we've identified the skill deficiency. We've started to talk with them uh, about what would work for them. We're asking questions. How, I, again, I'm thinking about a classroom teacher who's got 30 students, who has a lot on their plate. Um, how, how can they tangibly practice these skills with their kids in class, knowing that there's 8,000 different things going on, but also recognizing how important building these skills are. And I would say that's just as important as learning how to add and subtract and learning how to read and write. It's the ability to, to function in society is really what it is and be successful, um, whatever our path is. How do you practice these in class with all the other things that are going on and all the other students. Um, Cause I know that's probably a question that some folks are probably thinking about right now. It's like, this sounds great. And I definitely want to do all this. And if I had seven students in the class, I totally could, yeah. but I have yeah. 30. So yeah. how do I incorporate this into say, you know, my daily work? Cause also what's good for one kid or two kids is really good for everyone and all kids can have it. So how do you incorporate that notion? Yeah. And you hit on so many important pieces, right? I mean, we, we all have um, a lot to do and not enough time to do it. And so how do you fit it in? And, you know, the one thing I like to to think about with that is that classroom management piece and having to manage these things that students are doing that is reducing your ability to be a productive teacher and having to manage that um, all school year, right? How much time does that take? Mm. So if you take a little bit of time um, in the beginning to establish some of those um, skills and those routines. So uh, managing distractions, for instance, um, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to take a lot, a lot of time. Kids can figure out their distractions pretty quickly. And now we can put a plan in place. Um, we had one teacher who um, had all of her students identify their distractions. They all agreed it was their phone. So um, then she had them track their productivity for a week while they were using their phones in class. They had their phones available to them. And then she had them track their productivity the next week. And it was a really simple activity that they would do, um, seeing when they got it in, how many problems they finished, that sort of thing. And so they would, all of the students agreed at the end that they were so much more productive. They had less work that they needed to bring home. They could turn in their classwork and get a good grade. Like they started to see some of the benefits of not being so distracted. And they came to that on their own. And as a class, they figured out how are we going to manage this distraction of our phone in a realistic way that makes sense. And so, yeah. um, so they were able to address this issue. It didn't take more than a few minutes a day that they were, you know, they worked on it at the beginning of each lesson. And now they've got a standard for the rest of the year that they're using as a class that the kids were involved in. And that was one of the you know, the things that that teacher I'm thinking of mentioned was how much more um, on board those students were because they could see what she was talking about rather than the teacher constantly harping on that class of students to put their phones away. And so, so just taking a little bit of time to um, incorporate it into your daily um, routine and not making it a you know a twenty minute lesson. It, it should take five minutes, right? Like, like let's let's look at this and then move on. Um, but you also mentioned something that was really important, and that's the application piece. And so, really giving the students a way to practice this, and and as a teacher, 
um, regardless of what grade, if you're implementing a strategy for the students, um, you have to expect that they need time to practice it, apply it, and develop a habit. You're building a skill. And so that's the piece that I think um, sometimes gets lost and sometimes leads to some frustration when teachers say, but I taught the kids how to do this, this, and this, and they're not doing it. Um, but you've really got to provide them with basically an action plan, right? So, so you're going to keep this um, you know, little checklist on your desk, and each day you're going to check this at the end of class, and then we're going to move on. So it's not a big project. It's not a... Uh, something that's taking a lot of time, but you're giving them a way to apply that knowledge and start to build that habit. If you miss that piece, you're going to have those self-starters who do that on their own, but the kids you're really trying to help develop those skills are probably not the ones who are going to do that, and they're the ones who are going to continue to struggle. So, so just providing a simple action plan, here's how we're going to practice this for the next, you know, three weeks, right? Or the next week or whatever that looks like so that kids can start to develop that skill and habit. I I like the part when you said taking that time up front so that we're not combating the same thing for the entire year. Yeah. That is important because I can see again you know, with the amount of work that teachers have to do, this is oh, this is one more thing now. Like, I got to teach executive functioning skills. Well, <laughs> it looks like we've got two choices. Yes, you can take some time up front and work on some of these skills. And yes, it, it, it's a you say you will be you know accessing these skills throughout the year. But do you really want to have that conversation with the kid about the fact they still don't have their you know math binder set up properly in April? Like. You probably don't. And so I think that's really important as we're setting up our expectations uh, for the year. If we, when we are setting those like, you know, standards of what we want from our students, having the ability for students to practice that organization, checking in with the teacher, um, you know, have that self-correction that could be in there and practicing that kind of intensely right at the beginning of the year will set them up for success throughout the year um rather than fight that battle um all year long and, mm -hmm. and for some kids i'm gonna recognize they're gonna fight that battle <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah um but it's not gonna be you know hopefully that's not gonna be you know a third of your class maybe that's just two students that are just they need a lot more support and those daily types of check-ins and reminders. I know, you know, when we were looking, you know, at a lot of our students and those individualized action plans, you know, um, <clears throat> I would have teachers, you know, make sure that they were going up to that child at the end of the class period or in elementary at the end of the day and going looking into their, their homework folder and be right. like, what do you have in there? So um, that's yeah. all, you know, very... Just very helpful, very pragmatic, and ultimately supports both the teacher and the student at the same time. Well, and I think being able to look, you know, as a teacher, looking at your group of students and recognizing what are the behaviors that are keeping these kids from learning? Like what is, what's standing in our way of me accomplishing my goal of, of teaching these students whatever I'm uh, attempting to teach them? And so, you know, one thing that we see frequently um, is task initiation. That's one that a lot of students struggle with. And it's one that a lot of um, 
it just gets kids labeled as lazy quite frequently, right? Yeah. Because they've got a homework ins- assignment in front of them, or they've got a project in front of them, and they're not doing it. They're just kind of staring off into space. And the immediate thought to that is the student, they've got it right there in front of them. Why don't they just start it? They must be lazy. And so, so really just, again, taking a step back and thinking, are they lazy or do they really truly not know how to start what you just gave them? You know how to start it. To you, it seems really simple. You should be able to just write your name on the paper and go to question number one, right? But to this child, um, it, it feels really overwhelming. They don't know they don't know how to break it into smaller pieces. And to them, that feels too big. And so they just sit and stare at the wall. And so I think just some of those pieces really stopping to see um, what what is the challenge? What's keeping that student from learning? That kid who never does any of his classwork because he just sits in his desk the whole time. Um, Is there some strategy that we can teach that student to help them figure out how to get started rather than um, you know, just kind of checking them off as as lazy or unmotivated. I will say that uh, I was called unmotivated when I was a kid <laughs> more than a few times um, for probably a variety of reasons, and probably I I I probably appeared that way from time yeah. to time. Doesn't mean I was though. I'm definitely you know. I definitely wasn't lazy. I maybe was disengaged, right. but that is a sign of, uh, you know, I was bored. Uh, I wasn't connecting to the content. I wasn't connecting to my teacher. And I was that kid who'd be like, all right, I'm going to go totally daydream about something else because I'm not connecting to this. Um, yeah. Again, that doesn't mean that I'm lazy uh, by any means. Right. right. So um, yeah. I think we fall in that trap a lot. Um, as educators, it's easy to label kids like that. And um, again, always finding the root, the root cause of maybe what we're thinking and, and how do we work with kills? Again, I'll, I'll keep bringing what you said at the beginning back. It's a skill deficiency. You know, I, um, Let's see, I'm going to try to give an example here of something that, uh, uh, okay, good example here, Uh, sprinkler system in front of my house. Um, Our sprinklers went down, I had to figure out, you know, what I can do to fix it. I didn't necessarily want to call someone, but I don't know how to fix my sprinklers. I was deficient in that skill where a lot of people like, seriously, you don't know how to fix that. Um, So I had to get in there, I had to dig down, I had to find the problem and fix it. And I was watching my YouTube videos, so I wasn't going to like blow up my sprinkler system completely, but yeah. I didn't know how to do it. Um, but as my grass was like not looking good, people would be like, oh, why is he like not, what is he like lazy? Is he not like, does he not care about what his grass is like? No, I just don't know how to fix it. Right. And it took right. me a while. And once I got that skill down and every time the sprinkler goes down, it's like, okay, I got to get out there and do it. But this time it's only going to take me 20 minutes rather than the four hours it took me the first time because I was like up on YouTube googling and you know or whatever like how do you fix this you know I don't know Um, and we have to recognize that our kids you know uh, depending on um, you know their situations at home or what they were taught by their parents they're coming in maybe not having a lot of these skills because there wasn't anybody necessarily checking it at home or or you know, just that's how they are. Well, so. and your your example is such a good one. And I think I think one really important piece to that is 
you knew what your skill deficiency was, right? Like you knew that you didn't know how to install <laughs> that yeah. system. And so then you could go work to solve that. And I think that that's one really important piece um, when you're dealing with students is that so often they don't know why they can't do what they're trying to do. And what we see is they start to turn that inward to, I must be a bad kid. I must not be smart enough. Um, I must not be a good student. I'm not a strong learner. So they kind of turn that um, to try to explain why they can't do what everyone else in the class seems to be able to do. And so that's one of the, you know, reasons that I always feel so passionate about really helping students develop these yeah. skills is that um, we can start to change some of that self-talk. They can start to see that, oh, look what you can do when you have a system in place for this, or you have a strategy for how to overcome that, right? And especially our right. kids who have any sort of um, different learning needs, what does that look like? And how can we help meet them where they are? And so, you know, I think one other really big piece to what educators can do in the classroom is simply modeling the behaviors and then talking about it. Uh -huh. And so um, helping students see, this is how I knew when it was my turn to speak, right? And when you've got a student who's struggling with interrupting all of the time, um, without making a big issue out of it, um, it's really simple for the teacher to, to model that behavior and show the students, this is how I waited for my turn, and this is how I knew it was my turn. So this is when I began to speak. So really communicating some of those skills that really seem simple, but that some kids really just don't understand that cue of when is it your turn, right? And so right. helping students see that, or when you um, regulate your emotions, right? Are you, you control how you're reacting to something that triggered you. So explaining that to students, regardless of their age and letting them know, you know, I know that that is really a trigger for me. When that happens, I can easily lose it, right? right. But here's what I did to manage that reaction so that I could handle this in a more productive way. And so showing the students, here's how I did these certain skills, right? Or um, here's how I managed that distraction. Or I really wanted to do something else, but I knew that this is what I needed to be doing. So here's how I put a little motivation in place for myself so that I could finish this thing I didn't really wanna do. And so all of those things that, that we deal with as adults, and we've just learned ways to, to overcome those, those challenges, helping explain that to students so that they can see that that's something they can do too, right? That they have an option to choose how they're going to react to a trigger. And mm -hmm. here's something that you can do when that happens. And so I think that's something that's really, really important that teachers can do in the classroom regardless of which executive function we're talking about, you know, the organization and planning pieces, but also those behavioral pieces and emotional pieces, just talking it through with students on a regular basis so that they can start to understand the idea that there is a skill and strategy involved with what they're supposed to be doing. 100% agree, 100% agree. Uh, and we talk about teacher modeling uh, in a variety of different areas. Um, and this definitely, uh, I, I know, is so important uh, when we're trying to, you know, build the skills up for kids, having them see it in action in front of them. Uh, super, super, super important. 
Um, well, this has been this has been a great conversation, and uh, I know uh, there's folks out there that are going to want to know more about uh, executive functioning skills. How do we teach it? How do we recognize uh, those deficiencies and build them up again? How can um, some educators maybe get a hold of you or the work that you do um, to learn more? Well, we um, over the years have developed a, a curriculum and a system for educators. So our, our company, Lively Minds Institute, um, is kind of the, the head company and the product that we've developed is called Cerebrate, which sounds like a made up word, um, but it's actually an old fashioned word that means to think or ponder to make a good decision, right? To cerebrate about something. So our program is called Cerebrate and it um, provides a way for educators to identify the needs based on behaviors and then access lessons and strategies that they need to teach the students those skills. Um, and it also provides application ideas, those action plans we talked about. It provides a whole um, collection of those as well so you can start to practice those. And so um, if anyone's interested, we, we could certainly talk more about that for your school or district, but that's, yeah, that's what, we've, what we've done over the years. Wonderful. Well, we'll put all of that information, some links and some uh, verbiage in the notes of this podcast so that educators can follow up and to go to your website and to learn more um, about grabbing some of those resources that can be so supportive for them uh, with their kids as we enter into brand new school year. So thanks so much, Candice, for being here. Really appreciate it and hearing your expertise on this area. It's something that I definitely... Um, do not consider myself an expert in. So I enjoyed learning a lot during our conversation and just appreciate your time today. Wow, thank you so much. It was great to be here and I appreciate uh, talking with you about this. So thank you. All righty, thank you. Hey everyone, this is David, the founder of The Principal's Desk. If you wanna learn more about the professional development services that we offer, please check out www.principlesdesk.org or email us at info at the principlesdesk.org.